Hey everyone and welcome to another edition of the Jim and the King NFL podcast. I'm Jim, sitting in this war room is Denver Dave and we're here to talk about the NFL. Hello Dave. Good morning, how's it going? Morning? I wish it was morning. It's okay mate, it's okay. Although we've just lost the end of the regular season. Uh, dude, I've not opened my curtains. I've not opened my curtains for like a week and a half. I don't even know what day it is, let alone time. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Dave, there's no more NFL for, for your team. They're done. And their last game was against the Raiders. So it's only fair that we bring in Punk Raider. Good afternoon, chaps. How are we? Oh, we're very good, mate. How are you? Well, you know, eight and eight, one of those seasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was all, it, well, you know, down until about a month ago, it was all looking swimmingly good, wasn't it? But was yeah. it? Oh, okay. Raiders, Raiders being Raiders. <laughs> oh, it was, it was a day for more. So I said, I said, you lot were an okay team, and all of a sudden you've gone on. <laughs> that was it. The, curse, <laughs> the curse of Denver Dave strikes again. Well, it's lovely to have you oh. here, Punk. And uh, we're going to go it's through nice 17 back, games. Chaps. Some of them more interesting than others, obviously. Um, and then we'll get through to Black Monday, obviously, which is where all of the terrible head coaches uh, sent pack in. And uh, then, of course, we'll look forward to the, the wildcard round um, and maybe look at some of the other stuff like the Hall of Fame list. I don't know. We'll see what we can get through uh, in this episode. I want to start off, guys, um, with the Week 17 slate. And I'm going to go for the Colts and the Jags. So Jonathan Taylor ran for a franchise record 253 yards, scored twice and sprinted 45 yards to the end zone with 3.35 to play, powering the Colts to a playoff clinching victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars on Sunday. Hall of Famer Edwin James was the only other Colts player to top 200 yards rushing. He had 219 yards in the game at Seattle in October 2000 and then ran for 204 to four years later at Chicago. The Colts scored their first possession with a touchdown catch from T.Y. Hilton, a field goal on their second, and then the first of Taylor's touchdowns on their third drive. Jackson responded with a touchdown in the final minute of the first half and another in the third quarter, both by rookie wide receiver LaVisca Chenault to close within six points. And it looked like Indy might squander another big lead. But Taylor's second rushing touchdown in the game moved the Colts out of reach and the two AFC, AFC South teams end the season looking in very different directions. Indy playing Buffalo on Sunday. The Jags have now sacked head coach Doug Marone to make vacancies in both that and the GM positions. But they do have all that draft capital. The final score was Jags 14, Colts 28, Dave and Punk, was this a win for both teams? Um, I mean, it didn't matter either way, really, for the Jags, because the Jags were guaranteed first overall pick anyway. Mm. Um, it puts Jonathan Taylor ninth overall on a single game rushing mm-hmm. and uh, cements my pick of him as the most exciting running back of the uh, rookie, rookie running back coming into the season, which is mm. obviously happy about. And also had him in uh, fantasy as well. He scored me 40-odd points. So I think the Colts very much are what they are. Um, you expect him to win this game and double the amount of points against the Jags. I mean, it's kind of as expected. There's not really all that much you can say on this game apart from a good team beat a bad team. Um, yeah, very much, very much went with form, didn't it? It wasn't, yeah. you know, the Colts weren't spectacular. I mean, Jonathan Taylor did run angry. He was he was bashing <laughs> people left, right and centre. He almost looked like Derek Henry at one point. But, uh, yeah, yeah. You know I, think, I, I was going to say that last week, but I thought Jim would laugh at me, so I stopped myself. Genuinely, stopped myself from <laughs> saying. Punk's here to say what you won't. He's got a similar kind of running side, uh, style. He's, he's yeah, sort of. Know. It's the way he lowers his shoulder to run through people. Yeah. 
Absolutely. I mean, he might after after three or four years of of doing that, he might just kind of back up a bit and go. Actually, you know what? I don't need to take quite so many heavy hits. It's that first contract. But yeah, I mean, mm. he, he he seems to be with me as well. One of those players that he look like Adrian Peterson used to do. He looks for the contact because that's what gets him going. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, he was. A, I think he was a second round pickup, so he's not going to be on a five year deal. He's going to be. Take getting a contract after basically yeah. three years because someone's going to want to solid him up. He haven't got that fifth year option, so it's once you've got that big deal, you're going to be thinking, "Am I going to be want to want to be running through big linebackers?" I'm not sure I do anymore, actually. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, no, uh, good good performance from the Colts. Um, be interesting to see what they do going forwards from here. Mm. And that's the question. Um, there's uh, one very big hole to fill in the quarterback position because there's no way that they can retain. Um, there's no way they can retain Philip Rivers. No, not on, not on this season's showing. Which is why Sam Darnold seems like a sensible choice with the Frank Wright connection. Well, it's, it's Darnold or Wentz, really. That seems to be the popular consensus. <laughs> Either way, they can probably handle some of the uh, the contract money that's involved. Yeah, I would have thought so. And then for the Jags, of course, they've completely cleared house now. They sacked the GM a few weeks ago. Now they've got rid of uh, Doug Marone. He was a dead man walking really all season. Um, but yeah, so many draft picks. And, you know, that seems like the softest place to land as your first head coaching job. If what you're saying, Dave, is correct, that, you know, looking at um, Robert Sala from the 49ers, Eric Bieniemy, and uh, who was the third one? Uh, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, those, are, those have not head coached it, before. So, I mentioned it to you before the pod. Um, so, Raheem Morris, I think it is. Raheem Morris, well, he has head coached at the Falcons. Well, he's, he's, he's interim head coach at the moment for the Falcons. I mean, he's hardly ripped it up this season. He's done all right, I guess. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on to the next game. I'll go to uh, Jets-Patriots because Cam Newton saved his best performance this season for what was likely his final game in the New England Patriots uh, uniform. Pa- uh, Newton threw three touchdown passes and caught another. Why? Why? Why, 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 why are we talking about Jets and Patriots? Because of what happened after the game, really, for the, for the Jets. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we don't uh, need to talk about the game. No, I will. Let's just talk I will. about the Jets. I love the Jets. <laughs> New England were losing, though, 14-7 early in the third quarter, but outscored the Jets 21-0 the rest of the way. New York announced a few <laughs> hours later the game they had fired Gase. Uh, Newton was 21-30 for 242 yards. His first game with multiple passing touchdowns this season. He also ran 11 times for 79 yards. Uh, passes to James White and Devin Asiasi. A receiving touchdown from Jacoby Myers helped see Cam into the offseason on a more positive note after the Patriots lost the last three games. Sam Donald in what might also be his last game for the Jets, had a very pretty pass to Chris Herndon to make it 7 all at halftime. A Josh Adams one-yard run put the Jets' head in the third quarter, but a pick by JC Jackson was a killer blow to the game. Jackson now has more picks this year than any corner outside of Xavier Howard, and the final score in Foxborough was Jets 14, Patriots 28. Swirly-eyed Adam Gase is no more. I did not see this coming. I was going to say, it's such a shock. (laughs) I can't believe that he didn't, didn't keep his job. Oh, I know. It's Can't believe he got it in the first place. Well, there is that. I think this the, is... The, the Google High press conference goes full circle. It's not very often uh, a franchise has an opportunity to completely press restart. Um, I don't mean having a high draft pick. I mean having a complete restart. And this is their full opportunity. They've got so many draft picks, so much capital. They're going to have a new head coach, a new GM, a new star quarterback. They can completely go again, completely from scratch. And this is the opportunity of a lifetime for them because there's been so often 
They've been bogged down with the cap hit, uh, with cap problems. They've got CJ Mosley coming back from because he took a year off from COVID this year. They've got mm-hmm. a, a half decent team. They just need a little bit of talent and a decent organization behind them. It's a real opportunity, as I say, to hit that restart, and they can't f- it up. They've got a very good interior pass rush. They've got um, Quinn and Williams. Quinn and, Quinn and Williams was the one, and then Jonathan Franklin Myers was the harder one to remember, which I did remember. Um, but then the edge rushers, they don't really have that edge presence. Uh, but like you said, they've got CJ Mosley. They've got some pretty good linebackers as well. So there's a start, there's a start of a core there on defense. Um, and then, of course, Mackay Becton's there as the left tackle. So they need, like we said last part, they need a new center and need, like, obviously a new quarterback. Well, the problem with picking up a new center, they've got Conor McGovern, who's on 27 million four-year deal. So <laughs> somewhat of a problem. Yikes. Nice work if you can get it. <laughs> yeah, he's nice when 17 million of it's fully guaranteed as well. Mm. And the other good news, boys, is we have to talk about the Patriots next week. Hey, for a change, we have to talk about them this week. So, <laughs> <laughs> so we won't. <laughs> Let's go to the next game. Now, I want to talk about the Dolphins and the Bills. So, in a season ending game, which the Dolphins had far more riding on the outcome, the Bills put an emphatic stamp on their brave taking year with a rout on Sunday in clinching the AFC second seed. Buffalo will host its first playoff game in 24 years by facing the former Bills QB, Frank Wright, coached uh, in Dappis Colts next Saturday. After falling behind 3-0 on Jason Sanders' 49-yard field goal, Buffalo responded by scoring four times in the second quarter to build a 28-6 lead at halftime, and the Bills didn't lap out in the second half either. Josh Allen threw two touchdown passes to Isaiah McKenzie, who then went and returned the punt 84 yards. Allen then got another touchdown to John Brown to allow Matt Barkley to play the second half. The defense even got on the scoreboard with Josh Norman, Dave's favorite, returning the first of three of Tunga Vailoa's interceptions, 16 yards for a touchdown. Rookie running back Antonio Williams scored two rushing touchdowns in his NFL debut, a day after being called up from Buffalo's practice squad. Miles Gaskin and Salvin Ahmed got rushing touchdowns for the Finns, and Malcolm Perry got a receiving touchdown from two on their final drive. But it was all for naught. The final score was Dolphins 26, Bills 56. Now, is this the big form team coming into the, the playoffs? Yeah, absolutely. I have a question. I have a question because I didn't actually see any of this game at all. Okay. Did the Bills play second stringers or did they play starters? Starters. All the way through. They pulled Allen in the second half. Yeah, I mean, okay. Matt Barkley came in when the game was already won. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. I just wasn't sure because, you know, 56 points on, let's be honest, the Dolphins defense that's been pretty good mm-hmm. this season. Certainly better than I expected them to be. Um, yeah, the scoreline was a bit surprising considering what was on the line for the Dolphins. Um, obviously, I'm guessing offensively they couldn't get a huge amount going with Tua. Well, I think I think part of it is you know when you're playing when you've already qualified or when you're not playing for anything, which the Bills pretty much weren't. Um, part of it is you know respecting the NFL and really playing to the best of your ability when your opponents have something to play for, something which some teams... Then <laughs> I don't, I don't hey, think it's as much doing? as that, Dave, Dave, to be honest. I think it's just divisional game, isn't it? Divisional opponents. Well, so divisional games. Don't worry about that. <laughs> no, I think the Bills are exactly what they are. They're a form team and they want to continue that. I mean, yeah. they've won nine of the last ten and they're one Hail Mary away from being ten of the last ten. The last mm. team they lost to, I think, was the Chiefs. Um, so they are undoubtedly the form team. And... You know, say what you like. They are at the moment for me Super Bowl favourites because it's they're, mm. they're the team at the moment. They are the team at the moment. Who, I think they're well balanced. I think they're they're they're, they're, they're a team that they're that, strong both sides of the ball, and they are the form team. That's the There's no other uh, team who is. 
Maybe. Yeah, but I mean, you know, you you still have to look at the ease at which the Chiefs go through games. You know, the Saints, after a really dodgy start, have really pulled it back together again. You know, they haven't lost in quite a few now. I think the was it who was it beat Saints last Bucks maybe no but Saints beat the Bucks anyway regardless of whoever it's been a while (laughs) it's been a while yeah you know I I I think the Bills are the dark horse upstarts that everyone and no one wants to play in Buffalo in January um you know there's there's some some real chance here for the Bills to do something are they the favorites I'm not so sure well, I think the, the again the issue is if they're at home, then they're massive favourites, especially against um, any dome teams that they come up against. I don't think there's that many dome teams in the AFC actually. So, but no, the Chiefs not, lost not long ago to uh, I think they lost to the Eagles and the Chiefs. Uh, the Saints lost to the Eagles and the Chiefs. Saints lost to the Eagles in Week 14. Just looked at it. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So they, but again, before that, I think they won like seven, eight, or nine on the run. Yeah. One of them was against a Broncos team who didn't have a quarterback. So I'm wiping that one off. <laughs> they, they won they 12 are, games this well, year. You're, you're calling Taysom Hill a quarterback, eh? No. Nope. I mean, it was loose. It was a loose term. <laughs> but no, I, I think they're, they are a good team. But I think the Bills at the moment sit head and shoulders favorite for me. But that, that's not to say that I think they'll win it. Because I, it's think, always- I, think, I think you have to always continually at the moment anyway until they show otherwise the chiefs have to be the favorites but mm. the chiefs have been winning with one you know one score of you know six or seven of the last 10 games maybe yeah but they've been Raiders playing been within themselves them again as well you, we've seen it before haven't we you know the chiefs can flip the switch just in a quarter let alone they a game can. they can so they're what bottom third of the nfl in terms of average distance on third down their defense is stone dead last on defending the red zone there are things in their game that they're no good at and the amount of times we see Patrick Mahomes drop back and take a sack there was one a couple of weeks ago where he took a sack and lost 36 yards or something there are issues there and their offensive line's not that good I think is it Mitchell Schwartz the right tackle who's who's out injured now for a while yeah so you know they're they're not perfect and the thing is all of this is somewhat academic at the moment so all it's going to take is COVID to rip apart a team and that's your run oh yeah absolutely um, I mean, I'm saying the Bills, I mean, for all we know, the Bills have all just tested positive and all of a sudden, you know, <laughs> they don't have a quarterback. You've got Josh Norman. Yeah, no, it's it's very it's possible. It's much of a nonsense. I don't, you know, it's, yeah. So we just hope every, everyone stay fit and we all mm. have, a, we have a good run to Zoom Bowl. Um, but for me, at the, at the moment, I just feel like the Bills are the, the most well-rounded team both sides of the ball. And I can say that because the they, Broncos... They've been not wrong. Bullard a few years ago as well, a few weeks ago as well. Yeah, you're not wrong, but you know, experience counts for a lot in the playoffs, and the Bills don't really have it. So. I agree with that as well. Uh, one last some. thing on that. Sorry, sorry, Punk. Uh, one last thing on that game. Xavier Howard matched a single season franchise record with his tenth interception by picking off Barkley in the third quarter. Howard matched the team record set by Dick Westmoreland in 1967. I'm sure you know who that is, Punk. Love a bit of Dick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know him really well. Hmm. Excellent. And he became the first NFL player to have 10 interceptions in one season since Antonio Cremante had that many with the Chargers in 2007. So let's move on to the next game. Then we're going to do the Browns and the Steelers. So Baker Mayfield threw a touchdown pass and had several big runs in the second half as the Brown made the playoffs for the first time since 2002 on Sunday, surviving a late Mason Rudolph rally. <laughs> Mason Rudolph rally. Can't believe I said that. Uh, to beat the Steelers who sat quarterback. Without laughing. I, I can't do it without laughing. And several other starters. It wasn't easy. 
They nearly blew a 15-point lead in the fourth quarter with touchdown catches by Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster, but stopped Pittsburgh two-point conversion attempt, just about recovered an onside kick with 122 left, and then ran out the clock. Nick Chubb rushed for 108 yards and a touchdown for the Browns. Chubb went over 1,000 yards for the second straight season. His 47-yard touchdown run pushed the pro bowler into a quadruple digits despite him missing four games with a sprained right knee. Browns fans have endured 197 losses, 14 double-digit loss seasons, and seven coaches since the last playoff appearance. Their reward? Well, it's a playoff game against a full-strength Pittsburgh team that have won the last 17 contests at Heinz Field between the two. The final score in Cleveland, Steelers 22, Browns 24. I mean, let's be perfectly frank about this. The Browns should have won this game. The Browns did win this game, but my God, they made it hard for themselves. Um, the obvious thing that comes out of this is the Browns now play their first playoff game since, what was it 2001 or something like that? I don't know. Don't know. I'm sure it was in your stats. It was. But they're playing the Steelers. And they struggled to be what was a second string Steelers team. And all of a sudden, the first team boys are coming in. Um, and history tells us that Steelers always beat the Browns. And I not in the playoffs. Well, no, no, no. It, well, last you got time think, they played in the playoffs, was the last time the Browns were in the playoffs. So, yeah, exactly, I mean, exactly. So we just don't know. We don't know what this Browns team is going to do in the playoffs. No, yes, we, we can pretty much go off of what's happening in the regular season. And yeah, you probably look at them and go, it's a bit shaky. But that's the great thing about playoff football is that 100%. anything can happen at any 100%. point. And that's exactly what I was literally just about to say. In the fact and that this season, the Browns I mean, can. The Browns can and have struggled against the Steelers for every, you know, in all of the past five years or so. But the fact that they almost lost last week against a half decent Steelers team with not a huge amount of first team talent out there doesn't mean anything when it comes to playoff to playoff night. Right, not at all. It's just a shame it's not the primetime game because that's one I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> I think that's the late one on Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, it's the last one. Yeah. So there we go. There's that game. We're going to move on to the next one. Oh, yeah. The one last thing, obviously, about that is that Kevin Stefanski got uh, tested positive for COVID. So that's thrown a bit of a spanner into their preparation for the, the playoff game. Yeah. And there's a, there's a couple of players. I think there's a guard um, and a defensive back who are out on a wide receiver as well, but none of the first team guys, I don't think. Yeah. Uh, so now I'm going to the uh, Titans and the Texans. So Derek Henry ran for a career-high 250 yards to surpass 2,000 yards rushing. And rookie Sam Sloman's 37-yard field goal bounced off the upright and three for the victory. The Titans needed the air game to set up Sloman's winner, though. A 52-yard reception by A.J. Brown moments after a 51-yard field goal by Houston tied it with 18 seconds left. Henry had touchdown runs of 52 and 6 yards in his third straight 200-yard rushing game against the Texans. Tannehill threw for 216 yards and a touchdown to A.J. Brown and run for two more scores himself. Deshaun Watson threw for 365 yards and three touchdowns, two to Brandon Cooks and one to Pharaoh Cooper. The Titans get another chance to upset the Ravens next week, while the Texans' season ends with their fifth defeat in a row, despite Watson's heroics. The final score was Titans 41, Texans 38. Yeah, that really helped Texas cement the uh, title as the worst rushing defence in the NFL. Two and a half thousand rushing yards against them this season. Yeah. I mean, to put it into perspective... That was that's just Derek Henry in two games. That's 160 <laughs> yard per game average. That's an average. I mean, that is truly shocking. This is the worst rushing defense I think I've ever seen. It really, I don't know. That has to be up there. And ranking is one of the worst ever. It really does. But again, this kind of went to form. Um, you expect the Titans to beat the Texans, and it was despite the heroics from um, from Watson. It, the Texans, the Texans weren't able to stop him. The Titans roll on. 
but it was so close. I mean, that three-point game, and it came down to the ball hitting off the inside of the post and going over yeah. for the, the Titans to get this win. Texans haven't gone away, and that's all because of Deshaun Watson. Exactly. It's what we've seen every single game this season. The Texans, a lot of the time, are close, but they just don't have the quality to get over the line. And unfortunately, they've given that quality away and ransomed it for, for what? Laramie Tunsil. So, well, a lot of teams can look back on their season and say, well, that game was close, that game was close, that game was close. I think the Texans are probably in a unique position where they can look back and say these games were close and we would have won them in the offseason if we just did nothing. If we just sat there and did nothing, we, we, we would have been in a much, much better position than we actually are. And that's not, not be, having the number three overall pick. Oh, that's that's got a bite. That's really got a bite, yeah. I think the other thing we need to do in this game is just congratulate Derek Henry on his rushing title. Absolutely. And Deshaun Watson as well for the passing title, certainly mm-hmm. from a yards perspective. Um, but that in and of itself shows that, you know, they have no real running game to speak of. They have no real defense to speak of. Um, yeah, I think I think the, te- the Texans are not in a bad position, but they do need some quality players. I think they, they're in a terrible position. <laughs> I think they've got. I think they've got a good base. I think they've got a good. When, whenever you've got a franchise quarterback, and you've got some pieces around on the offensive line and in the uh, linebacker core, but apart from that, everything else is just pointless. So they're they're kind of the they're almost the the antithesis of the Raiders in that you know our defense is completely gash. And, you know, I can't think of a single redeeming feature at the minute other than Jonathan Abram trying to kill people every <laughs> and Max three Crosby. minutes. Uh, Max Cro- no, Max Crosby, to be fair, has been, has been a, a, a positive. Brilliant. But I think, I think the Texans, you know, if, if they do get a decent draft, I don't know how many picks they've got. Well, nothing in the first, nothing in the second. They've got nothing in the first. That's not going to happen. They've got eight picks in total. I mean, this is what we were talking about last week. So when you get a pick, it's assigned a value. Now, if we look at the team at the top, Jacksonville have got a value of 5,300. That's the total value for what they have. Um, If we go mid-table to the team in 16th, is actually the Raiders. They've got 1,600 in terms of their value, 1,700. If we go towards the bottom, we've got Houston, who's 539. That's their value, 539. So it's now one, one third and about three fifths or something. They, well, <laughs> like they're picking 67, and then every other pick after that is over 100. And then majority yeah, yeah. of 164, 178, 189, yeah. 195. The problem is they've swallowed up an enormous amount of their cap space on players who are no good. Brandon Cooks, um, Johnson, the same goes for. Uh, Carb as well. There's there's a lot of players who have swallowed up an enormous amount of cap space for no reason. You've got other players who are saying they want to go. Bradley Roby's also swallowed up huge cap space, and they don't have the free agency lure to be able to go and really battle for you know top eight top free agents and pay them yeah, yeah. less. If you're if you're the Raiders or you're this, I'll even say the Steelers. Same goes for Dallas. You can go into free agency. And do you know Do you know what? I'll give you less, but you're playing for the Dallas Cowboys. You're not going to go, I'll pay you less, but you can play You'll for You'll finish Houston. third in the NFC least. <laughs> no, I'm going somewhere else. No, stop that. The only, the only redeeming feature that they have, and it's the only redeeming feature, there's two redeeming features that they have. One is Deshaun Watson. The other one is it's a tax-free state. That's it. Nothing else. Because they don't have the draft picks. They should be picking third overall, but they're not. 
and they're, they're constantly, constantly second best in all areas of the game. And it's got to be frustrating to be um, a Texans fan. Um, there's a video from Brett Coleman on uh, the one man who destroyed the Texans, and it breaks down all of the mistakes that happened and pinpoints an exact time frame in which Bill O'Brien really made started making dodgy decisions that had massive impact on the Texans. I recommend it because it's an absolutely amazing watch. Mm-hmm. Um, just type Brett Coleman Texans into YouTube and you'll, you'll, re- you'll see it is good. And of course, the guy that's just picked up this poison chalice as the new GM is yeah. former Patriots director of player personnel because it had to be a Patriots uh, ex-staff member, Nick Casario. Having said all that, I've said a hundred times, this is the best job in football. If you, oh, if you succeed, you're a legend. If you fail, well, you're expected to. You can't do anything with this roster. It's the best job in football. You're not stuck somewhere cold. You've got a nice, shiny stadium. You've got a fashionable brand. And there's nothing wrong with this job. I think it's a great job. Well, if you want it, Dave. Too late. Like Nick Casario's like got that. it. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on. Let's move on. That was the Titans and the Texans. So let's go to the, uh, the Washington football team and the Philadelphia Eagles show. So Washington has the air quotes honour of representing the <laughs> NFC East in the postseason for the first time since 2015, beating the Eagles on Sunday night. Alex Smith threw two touchdown passes to Terry McLaurin and Logan Thomas, with two Jalen Hurts six-yard rushing touchdowns in between. Washington became the first team in Super Bowl era to reach the playoffs following a 2-7 and seven start. It didn't hurt the visitors that Eagles coach Doug Pedersen switched to third-string quarterback Nate Sudfeld early in the fourth quarter, which didn't go over too well with the Giants players posting their reactions on Twitter. Sudfeld hadn't thrown the pass since 2018 and was picked on his second attempt. He also lost a fumble. The final score in Philadelphia was Washington 20, Eagles 14. I thought the Eagles tried very, very hard to win that game. <laughs> I mean, God loves a trial. It's for the greater good. <laughs> it's for the greater good. They moved from ninth in the draft up to sixth in the draft with that loss. Well, there you go. You see, the greater good. Hmm. It worked. They weren't going to make the oh, playoffs. You know, at the end of the day, they weren't going to make the playoffs. You know, it, they've got a 53-man roster. They're perfectly entitled to play any one of those 53 players. Mm-hmm. No problem with it. You okay with it, Dave? You know what? No, I'm, I'm, I have no issue with this. I mean, first of all, <laughs> we've all been burnt by teams resting starters in week 17. Yeah. We've all been burnt by that, whether it be in fantasy or our teams or whatever. Now, let's not forget, this, this really affects the Giants. And the Giants lost their first five games of the season. Yep. The Giants ended up 6-10. and 10. Yeah, you can't you complain. Know, it's, it's not like they've been kept out of the playoffs and they were, you know, 11 and 5 or something. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. It's, ask, the, ask the Dolphins how they feel about it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, the, the, the Giants can blame the, the Eagles if they want to, but over the first four games of this season, guess how many offensive points the Giants averaged over the first four games? Seven. Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's how many. Five of their losses were within one score. They also lost to Washington within week nine as well. And the Giants are perhaps what they're they're the they're the third worst team, in my opinion, in the worst division in football. So do you know what? If you would have made the playoffs, great. What does that mean? You can take a spanking on national TV in prime time. Brilliant. That's like me going, Yeah, yeah, I'll I'll fight Anthony Joshua. Yeah, bring it. (laughs) Then you just watch it. (laughs) absolutely panned on tv going jesus why did we pay for this what is going on i mean it's, it's also nate sudfield was drafted in he was drafted by 
it, what was the Redskins then in round six, which is slightly ironic. But he was also he was also played on the last day of the 2018 season. Yeah. Um, in exactly the same circumstances, he came in to replace Nick Foles um, through his first touchdown. So I think Nelson Aguilar um, and came back in the next season with you know. A, who you know he, he came back in in multiple times the following season towards the end of game so it's not the first time the Eagles have done this and Doug Peterson said before the game that he was going to do it so he shouldn't <laughs> have been a surprise to anyone because he sat there in the pre-meetings and said Nate Sudfield's going to see some time yeah. if the Giants had been better they would have qualified for the playoffs it's that simple they if they would have won games that they shot themselves in the foot with then they would have been in the playoffs anyway so no issue with it Let's move on then. Uh, I'm going to go to the Cardinals and Rams. So John Wolford's NFL debut started with an interception on his first throw. It ended with the inexperienced quarterback leading the LA Rams back into the playoffs. And though Wolford did his part, everyone in the Rams locker room knows that they owed this achievement to a dominant defense that scored as many points as the Rams offense and a couple more than the Arizona Cardinals. Troy Hill returned an interception 84 yards for a touchdown to lead yet another overwhelming defensive performance by the Rams who won their third postseason berth in four years under coach Sean McVay. Aaron Donald's boys scored nine points on Hill's pick six and a safety while holding the Cardinals to 214 yards and shutting them out for the final 55 minutes. Defensive coordinator Brandon Staley's unit finished the regular season allowing the fewest points, 296, and total yards, 4,500, in the NFL. Kyler Murray passed for 87 yards after sitting out most of the first three quarters with an ankle injury for the Cardinals, who missed the playoffs for the fifth consecutive season. Jonathan Ward caught a touchdown pass for the Cards backup Chris Streveler in the first quarter, but that was the last scoring Arizona had this season. The final score was the Cardinals 7, Rams 18. Good result for the Rams. They're looking like they're kind of getting into a rhythm going into the playoffs. The Cards are really one, again, what we said, they're one season away from being a half-decent team. It's just a shame that they sort of ended the season on such a, a whimper. Yeah. But a lot of this, I think, was due to the Rams really coming in and looking highly motivated following the embarrassment from the uh, from the Jets. So I think a lot of the response put down to the Rams. Yeah, it was a massive response. Um I think it's a bit of a shame for the cards, but again, they've come in and they're an eight and eight team. I think a lot of us probably expected them to finish about eight and eight. Um and a huge amount of positives to come out of the season. So yeah, I think I think overall it's been very uh, it's been a very good season for them. Yeah, I think the cards cards have definitely made strides forward this year. I think, yeah, it is a year earlier than probably we expected. I think you're right, Dave. I think eight and eight, something like that, would is probably where most of us um, pitched them at the start of the season. I like the fact that the Rams have found an identity. I think they've really discovered that they are just a defensive football team and can run the ball. Mm-hmm. And you know that that when it comes to to playoff time is invaluable. You know how many how many times have we seen you know a good defense and a good running game win? It's you know I, I, much as as McVeigh and when they got to the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, you know with that great show on turf two type offense that was great, but you know that was a one season wonder for Goff. You know that's not that's not Goff's natural game. That's Goff's not that good. No. Um, but I think I think they've they've got the balance. They've got a balance now. They know what they're good at. They know what Goff's good at, which is those short and intermediate passes. Very much like you know Brady's offenses for the last couple of years have been. Mm-hmm. I think they, you're right in the fact that they are a run first offense, and I think they have to be because I think 
Goff, as you say, is very much a trailer. He's not he's not a tractor. He's not going to pull you along, but right. he's a guy who can go along quite happily and probably not cost you many games. There's nothing game wrong manager. I think he's fine. Wrong no, with the game manager. I, I wouldn't say that, but you, you can say that. It's just a pity that the, the <laughs> Rams don't that. really have a star running back, a guy who they can pin the tail on and go, this guy's a bell cow, this guy's the one we're really going to get behind. Because I don't think Cam Akers is that guy. No, um, I'd agree. I don't think they have got that. But then when you look at those Patriots teams of recent years, they never had that either. That they weren't running run defense. They weren't, they weren't really sort of run first. They were seven yards passing first. And then they'd mm. open the run up, which would then it's get... kind of the same thing, though. Then get you know, a seven-yard pass. Kind of, but, then, but when you're dominating with a seven-yard pass, you don't need that bell carrier, you know, first, the guy who's going to... Uh, you know, get you consistent yards on the ground. They, again, as you say, it was kind of by committing. Okay, so next game, boys. So, in a game that was in many ways meaningless, Justin Herbert free for 302 yards and accounted for four touchdowns against a team of mostly Kansas City backups, and Los Angeles rolled to a victory at Arrowhead. Despite that win, Black Monday saw the firing of head coach Anthony Lynn, who had a 33-31 and 31 record in his four seasons with the Chargers. Mike Williams, Donald Parnham Jr. and Austin Eckler had touchdown catches for the Chargers, the Eckler's season ended with a concussion late in the first half. Herbert also sneaked in for a score and Los Angeles added a sack of Chiefs quarterback Chad Henney for a safety. Chad Henney making his first start since September 2014 with Jacksonville, threw for 218 yards with his first two touchdown passes in over 2,300 days. Byron Pringle caught the first early in the, th- in the game and Darwin Thompson grabbed the second late. Justin Herbert passed Carson Wentz's rookie record of 379 completions in a season. His four total touchdowns gave him a 36 for this season, passing Cam Newton's rookie record, and he became the youngest QB in NFL history to eclipse 30 touchdown passes. He finished with 4,336 yards passing, just 39 yards off Andrew Luck's rookie record, and the final score was the Chargers 38, Chiefs 21. I think you nailed it with the first sentence. It was very much a meaningless game. It was a decent Chargers team against a backup Chiefs team. Mm. Um, and the big news is the fact that Anthony Lynn's gone. How has it ever happened before? And we're a head coach has been fired after what was it, a four or five game win streak? I don't has that ever happened before? Uh, it must well, it have, done. have done, I'm sure it must have done. I mean, but, he's had a good run up to getting fired. I mean, I, I feel quite sorry for Anthony Lynn, to be honest, with you know, the volume of injuries that, that Chargers team has had over the last couple of years. He's, he's been a bit unlucky to get fired, I think. You know, it the would have been nice if he could have... Been... The clock management... No, yeah, atrocious. but the clock, the clock management has been atrocious and, you know, the kicking's been atrocious and they've lost X amount of games by, you know, three points or less X amount of times. Point. But, you know, if you put the full squad together on, on the field at the same time, you're probably not having that many close games. So, you know, I I, I think out of all, all the firings, he's the one that I kind of think, well, you could have maybe given him another season. The thing is, I don't necessarily disagree, but I think there's a couple of key things that you mentioned there, the number of injuries. Now, is that you can't constantly blame injuries on luck. When you get one particular organization that's continually getting injury after injury after injury is that because of the way they're being coached we don't i mean it's pure speculation we don't we know, know. about their doctor we know about their doctor yeah, yeah the doctor's not great but yeah <laughs> into the quarterback's back. but the other part to it is the losing games by two or three that's a big thing your head coach can't do 
he can't really do anything on the day. Normally head coaches don't play cool. You've done the prep for it. Your only thing to do is to clock manage and to run situational plays as you see fit. A normal head coach should really not cost you many games. They should only gain you. They should only really gain you points on on the day. And it, there's so many occasions when you're constantly be you know, the play calling that they were doing. I mean, there was one a couple of weeks ago where they got done on three separate plays in the red zone for having more men on the field than they were allowed. Then there was one where they had too few men on the field than they were allowed. This kind of shit we're seeing constantly. And Anthony Lynn wasn't ever adding to that Chargers team. He was always sort of costing them points and costing them games. I, I, mm-hmm. I feel sorry for him because he's a nice guy. He's affiliated with the Broncos as well. And he has, you know, he's, he does uh, go on to a lot of sort of Broncos podcasts and that kind of thing. So he's a genuinely nice guy. I just don't think he's a particularly good head coach. I'm, I'm not suggesting he's an amazing head coach. What I'm suggesting is that I think he's taking an awful lot of blame for certainly his other coaches, his kicker, um, his doctor. You know, I think I think there's more there's more to it than just Anthony Lynn has had bad clock management, and you know that's that's enough to get him fired. Now I know it's the NFL. You know, stands for not for long if you're not winning games, but yeah, it, I, I think out of all the coaches, I, I would have been, if I was, if I was a GM, I would have kept him for another season. Just see what happened. He's had four years though. And mm. he's consistent. And he's built a good squad. If you, if you, if you take out the injuries to key players at key times, he's Has got he... a decent squad there. The only thing I would say is he's, he's stuck with his kickers far too long. Has he built a good squad or has his GM built a good squad? That's the thing. Well, it has to go hand in hand. You, you know, it... To a certain degree. The other thing, so just to mention, you mentioned about his coordinators, Gus Bradley, the Chargers defensive coordinator, is interviewing with the Raiders this week. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, he's one of Gruden's mates, isn't he? So, you know, Gruden doesn't like looking outside of his little circle of friends, <laughs> even though, you know, let's be honest, we could really do with one. Um, but yeah. We'll see, we'll see what happens, but yeah, he based on their talent in the past few years. I think they were eight and eight last year, seven and nine this year. They're better than that. I do. The they, they are have, better than that. They're better than that, and they are definitely you, better than that. You have to make you have to make a change, and I think one of the changes you you have to make is a new head coach. I mean, you're not going to lose anything by doing it, so it's a bit of it feels like a bit of a no brainer to me because you can bring someone in, and I, I feel almost like anyone. You're like almost anyone who's half competent can come in and get that team to be, you know, at least seven wins or six. The problem, the problem you're going to have bringing in a new coach for next season is um, Justin Herbert taking a step backwards. Essentially, straight away mm-hmm. he's going to have to learn a whole new system, um, so he's not going to be comfortable. He's, you know, it, it, how often have we seen uh, a rookie quarterback have a second season slump? How often more have we often seen than them not? XL in the second second season? You got to think yeah, this year. No, it does happen. Josh Allen, you know, there are. He came into the league um, from a the system that plays very much college quarterback, college football. Came in, didn't know play calling. I mean, he's a smart kid as well. You could see in all in a lot of the um, hard knocks films, he he was struggling with the play calling. Got thrown in the deep end. Just went, I'm going to go for it. Now, yeah. next season, he might have a new system, but he had a new system this year to learn. And he's going to sh- touch wood, have full OTAs and preseason touch wood. And it's, it, it, he should have the tools to be able to progress. And having two different offensive 
systems in two years, it's not too much of a big deal. I mean, Drew Luck's had five in five years and he still managed to make it to the quarterback and become a starter. So as long as you're a smart kid and you put your <laughs> dedication to it and you're not doing a Jamarcus Russell, I, it's not I, too much. I, of a no, I, I, I think you're hamstringing your, your quarterback that you didn't even know you had until week what was it week six that he he went I mean, you say you three I think they, they didn't three. know they had him they, they drafted three, him like third or fourth overall six, yeah overall. no absolutely but you weren't you know they they weren't going to play him after week three they no, were sitting him for the majority of the season oh yeah, there's any circumstance that threw him in there and suddenly away with syringe if we just let him get on oh. with it you know it's fine and he may well turn into brett Favre in that you know week season two he just suddenly starts throwing it around but why make it difficult for him if you get that quarterback who you can throw him in the deep end and he can swim and he can survive, then why not do it again? So, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to keep hold of a head coach that I no longer believe in and no longer think is good enough to, you know, just help a, a quarterback who has already demonstrated that he can learn a new system. For me, that, that, that argument, I don't feel holds water just because Justin Herbert has already proven that he can t- take on a new system and run with it. So it almost seems like a benefit to be able to do that. Yeah, but it's it's a new system in a new league where no one knows him. Next season, defenses know him. They, mm-hmm. they, they, they there there is enough tape on him now that you know it's it's not going to be as easy for him as it was this season by a long way. And oh, you, you, I think you're just hamstringing yourself a bit by by not keeping at least a bit of a steady ship there. But you know, we'll find out next we'll season, see. won't we? We'll see what happens. Also, if you're if you are a head coach who's coming in, so if you're a head coach now who's coming in saying, Okay, I've got my potentially franchise quarterback. I know Jim's not a massive fan of Herbert, but <laughs> if you've got um, if you've got your franchise quarterback, okay, this is the offense I believe in. I'm gonna build something similar to what he already knows rather than revolutionizing it. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see what that happens. seems like the sensible thing to do, but I, as I say, I like Anthony Lynn, but it was definitely the right time, I think. So to Denver now, boys. And the Broncos, down by one point, reach the Las Vegas 45-yard line with nine seconds left. Brandon McManus lines up a 63-yard field goal try, which is blocked by Max Crosby. And with that, the Raiders avoided a fourth straight losing season and a tenth consecutive loss in their season finale. They also handed coach John Gruden his first win in Denver in eight tries. The Raiders appeared headed for another hangover with four turnovers, including three and a five snap span in the second half against a team that had only a dozen takeaways coming in. But Josh Jacobs' one-yard run with 24 seconds left capped a seven-play, 77-yard drive. And for the second straight year, Gruden went for two and the win instead of a tie. Last year, Chris Harris batted down pass, preserved a Denver 16-15 win. Of course, this time Harris wasn't on the field because of injury and Darren Waller hauled in the winning two points. The only reason the Raiders could make that two-point conversion was because Broncos head coach Vic Fangio called one of the dumbest timeouts of all time to allow <laughs> Vegas to get into position to run it. Denver got touchdowns from Troy Fumagalli, Melvin Gordon, and a 92-yarder from rookie Jerry Judy. Las Vegas scored with Darren Waller and Brian Edwards before Josh Jacobs ran two in late in the game. The final score was the Raiders 32, Broncos 31. Punk? Marvellous. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what we were saying before. It's it's frustrating being a Raiders fan this year because you look at the schedule we've had, and you know, we should have been ten and six. We should have been knocking on the door with the Colts and the Dolphins and this, that, and the other. We've lost some silly games. Um, yes, our defense is shockingly bad. Um, that just needs blowing up and starting again. To be honest, 
You can't um, do that when you've spent so you much draft capital on your defense so far. <laughs> well, the problem problem is we've got no choice. We've got to keep we've got to keep plugging away and and at least getting a linebacker core because you know the linebackers are terrible. The cornerbacks, you know, all right. I know against Miami we were playing, I think it was third and fourth stringers as starters because we'd had a COVID problem and this that and the other and mm-hmm. for me it's kind of that's that's the game we should have we should have seen that game out that's the game is, that really made everything damon, fall apart but is damon arnett a bust not like, yet because he will every, be every game i see and this isn't this isn't me <laughs> having a dick I, you're, you're not normally on it so i think to, to have yeah, your expertise yeah. on this game i think is um is a benefit and I, expertise is every is single mm. every single raiders game that i see the opposition quarterback is targeting damon on it constantly i mean it's easy to do because he's got massive red dreadlocks so yeah it, it's a massive beacon and, to go i'm here throw it to me <laughs> every single game they're they're targeting him because he seems to be the weak link yeah, and I think you're probably right. I think I don't think he's grasping it quite as well as, as someone like Crosby is. Um, you well, know, Crosby's I, up front; it's a lot easier. You don't normally get picked off. No, not high. No, but you still you still know your position. You know, it's it's not a case of you know necessarily you know because he's playing further back or you know whatever. It's it's I do. Do you know what I think? I think on it was too cocky in preseason. I think he, cause there were questions always, or, you know, first few games of the season, everyone was asking questions around, um, you know, have we got the D line to actually do anything? And can we, can we affect quarterbacks enough to help out the back end? Cause we knew going into the season that the cornerbacks weren't brilliant. Um, you know, safeties aren't too bad. Quite happy with the safeties. If, well, if, you if know, Jonathan Abraham can told. stay fit, I think he's but, very good. But yeah, he's, yeah. He's, I he's, just there are times when I think he goes for the big hit rather than the sensible play. But yeah. you know, that's that's the type of player he is. That's fine. We can we can deal with that. But I think when when someone like Arnett goes into the season going, yeah, no, no, it's absolutely fine. We've got no problems on defense. We're going to you know absolutely stifle teams, and the quarterbacks aren't going to be able to do anything. You know, that's 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 basically putting the target on him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I don't, so, I don't think I don't think that's the reason that they're necessarily targeting. They're targeting him because he can't cover. I mean, Trayvon well, Mullen, that. the other side. Trayvon Mullen's okay. I don't think I think he's Mullen, Mullen, serviceable yeah. uh, cornerback. I think he's fine. He's not a star, but I think he's fine. But he's he's looking better because opposition quarterbacks are targeting Arnett constantly. But, you know, it's but that's the problem. If 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 your defense is as spread thin as ours is. You know, you, you spend embarrassment of riches to which to target, and you're always going to target the weakest one. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. So and unless unless Arnett can draft capital and and in free agency, you bought in players. Uh, who's the lad from the Rams? You bought him. Is it little Corey? Joiner. No, yeah, Corey bought him. Um, and he's been playing. I think he switched from strong side to weak side linebackers. But again, you've just not been strong enough on that. that no. linebacking core. And I don't know what the problem is to be honest, because you're right. There's you know there there are talented players there now whether it's it, it is because the system isn't working but you know the offense is scoring 30 points a game on average you know, i think we're averaging somewhere between sort of 26 and 30 points a game, which should be enough to win you 10 games in the nfl but it just isn't and you know the defense is absolutely shocking you know me i'm a defensive guy anyway i'm quite happy with a nine six you know but <laughs> <laughs> but 
you know, it, it, we. You wish you had a nine six. It, it it just looks like there's no cohesion. It looks like you know each of the individual units don't seem to come together to create anything. You know, one week you you you'll get Farrell and and Crosby and those guys getting three or four sacks and you know rushing the quarterback, and all of a sudden on the back end we're we being thrown on for 350 400 yards so you know it and then you know the next next week we're getting run on for 200 yards and it's like well why can't you just tie it all together please yeah <laughs> it has on. been a joy to just watch face when they're making just a mistake one on game. the sideline yeah you know, <laughs> i mean all right face mask even that you can still face. see through it you can see from his I eyes one... he's like oh my yeah. god <laughs> yeah <laughs> no he does and yeah and you can you can see him rolling his eyes going i don't get it i don't understand what they're trying to do we did this when in training about when you mentioned about you being a potentially a 10-win team i had you pegged for an eight-win team um uh, start, start of the season i had us pegged as either eight to ten wins so we yeah. are roughly I had, I had where was, i had I thought we'd I had have us but imagine you were six and yeah, I jim think always has us a six though i think you're kind of where you are though because there's a couple of games that you won that you maybe shouldn't have the chiefs game is the obvious one but it's not that we shouldn't have we definitely beat them well, no, so, no, no, no. You, you know, know what I mean, though. I mean, going into that game, you were not expecting to beat them. Of course not. No one expects so, to beat the Chiefs at that point in the season because yeah, they're still so, coming off the Super Bowl high. So, yeah. you know, no one quite knows what the Chiefs are at that point. But I think still that game actually them. gave the blueprint for other teams to be able to go and play them. So I think, actually, we caused a, a, the Chiefs a few more headaches than just in our game. So that oh, was quite pleasing. And I think that was probably the best game we played this season. Um, certainly the one where it all came together the most. Uh, I'm trying to think of any of the others. No, because most of the others are all, you know, oh, yeah, obviously, you know, there's the debacle that was the Jets game. I mean, <laughs> I, mean, I, I mean, I'll go back go back to what I said at the beginning of the season. You know, I'd, I'd love us to have taken a C.D. Lamb or a Jerry Judy over Henry Ruggs. You know, yeah. Ruggs is great as the speed guy and all the rest of it, but we needed a number one receiver, not a speed receiver. I mean, we had Aguilar that could do that job. Now we've got two of them. And it's like, we don't need that. Derek Carr could hit him if he wanted to. Well, <laughs> yeah, see, that's, that, that, yeah, that's, that's the other <laughs> issue. That's the other issue. Now cast is my line out. Four years into, four years into Gruden. Yeah. And, you know, he's got to be getting twitchy with Carr. Um, Absolutely, I, I, you know, I've, I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback. Bearing in mind, we needed these last two games of the season, you know, really to go our way, just to make, you know, even have a chance of the playoffs, even a sniff. And I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback throw more throws in a red zone without scoring a TD than I have Derek Carr this season. <laughs> His conversion rates must be terrible. <laughs> because you know it it seems to be like one in 15 he might just about get us a touchdown all all, all of Derek Carr's touchdowns this season have been from like 30 40 yards out and further you know it, once you get into he's great between the 20s but as soon as you get him in, in the red zone he just I don't know what it's he's tough sees down there or what he's trying to do well yeah it is but 
you know, you've, that's where you've got to make the difference. Mm. We're in danger to listen to Billy Reader's podcast at this rate. We've been well, stuck yeah, on it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's We've not a terrible it. season, but it's 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 a frustrating season. We had in here, so I want to I want to mention it. But the main the main thing was when when you played us in the first game, you really gave us a spanking. Um, the Broncos. I think you put oh, nearly forty points on us. The week afterwards, you nearly beat the Chiefs. That was on the return leg. Yeah. Um, and then the week after that, I remember saying this: if if this Raiders team can put something together, they're going to be dangerous. And you got absolutely yeah. murdered. I mean, murdered by the Falcons. Yeah. Was it, and that was now, the game 40, that everything fell apart. Forty-three six. And in that yeah. game, you got beat by a team where the quarterback didn't throw. He threw, the quarterback threw one hundred and eighty-five yeah. yards, and no yeah. one single player ran for more than a hundred. Ran for more than sixty-five <laughs> yards. We yeah. didn't get beat by a good team. No, got we got beat by, by ourselves. Dumb. And that was the turning point where you suddenly yeah. went, Ah, okay, you might be a good yeah. team, but you're still the Raiders. And that was the issue. That's where <laughs> everything <laughs> fell apart. That's no, no, you're, you're absolutely right, though, because, because what, what happened was that you're absolutely right. The confidence was, you know, exceedingly high after the Chiefs game, after, you know, shellacking you guys. And then whatever happened in that Falcons game then affected the team for the rest of the season. And, you know, I don't know whether it was a confidence thing or whether they suddenly went, oh, no, yeah, we are the Raiders. We can't be that good. Or, you know, I, I, I just don't know what happened, which is the frustrating thing. You know, it's, it, you know, we might, might hear more coming out now we're in the off season, but yeah, going into that Falcons game, I, I was actually expecting us to be a playoff team. I thought we can make 10 and six, 11 and five here and, and actually maybe do something in the playoffs as well. Um, Cause I certainly wouldn't have been frightened of, you know, playing the Colts again or, you know, playing the the Steelers, even you know, it it's an optimism being a Raiders fan. It's we, like a goldfish of memory. <laughs> you think that you can beat anyone next week? To. It's like, have you seen you have yourself? To. Have you seen this your is the NFL? This is this is the, the NFL. Any given Sunday, of course we can beat the Colts. You can't do it on a regular basis. We beat you last season. We'll beat you this. You've just scraped an eight and eight season. It doesn't matter. And you got the It doesn't matter. It's amazing Take how much look at yourself, we son. would have got if we'd won that Falcons game. Don't, if, even, if, don't even think it. If, if, if you only had wheels, you'd be a bike, you know. Oh, <laughs> you dreadful. On, on, the, uh, on the Derek Carr front, so you mentioned about him regressing. Um, this year was his best year. Oh, I'm not sure he's... Re- yeah, yeah. No, I'm not saying he's regressed. I'm just he's saying not he's not improving. <laughs> yeah, well, it's his, it's his best season in terms of yards. Uh, yeah, it, it will be. best season in the past four in terms of number of touchdowns. And it's his yeah. higher quarterback rating yeah. ever. Because so he is, can throw it between the 20s, between the yeah. 20s and Darren Waller. <laughs> exactly. And then Darren Waller takes it 35 yards for the score. Yeah. I know I had him in fantasy. He was one of my only decent <laughs> <laughs> We've got two so, bits of, of post-game uh, news as well to go through, boys. So Josh Jacobs was clearly happy with his performance after the game because at 4.40 a.m. he was arrested for a DUI <laughs> after crashing his car in the McCarran Airport connector tunnel. Thankfully, no one else was involved. Um, he loves any contact. news on that one? for contact. Felony watch. Felony watch. And for the other team in this game, Broncos legend John Elway was stepping away from his GM duties to take, in air quotes, an elevated role. He's been the GM for the last 10 years. But how will, we be, how will he be remembered as a GM, Dave? Um, well, he won a quarterback. He won a Super Bowl, so, yeah. well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it helps that he's a legend for nah. that. So, yeah, it's, 
it's one of those things where he's probably not fulfilled uh, the team's destinies recently, but by all accounts, he had a fantastic draft last season. Mm -hmm. uh, it just didn't come together this season. So I don't think he's done a terrible job. It's just the fact that he hasn't been able to pick up that that memorable quarterback. That's the could problem. Could never now. find a quarterback, could he? No. All he knew is he um, didn't like Tim Tebow. That was the only thing he knew when he came in as a GM. Yeah. Well, that, so uh, the Broncos have requested interviews with Champ Kelly, who's the Bears Assistant Director of Player Personnel, George Patton, who's the Vikings Assistant General Manager, and David Ziegler, who is the Patriots Assistant Director of Player Personnel. So basically, the, the guy who's our Player Personnel Manager right now um, is consistently getting arrested for DUIs and other such things. So he's now retiring at the age of 45. Um, John Elway stepping up, genuinely. He's, John Elway stepping up to be director of player personnel. And uh, the new guy's coming in. Apparently, this is, the, this is the interesting thing, though. Apparently, he's coming in and he's going to have complete power. So we've got someone who's the GM and yeah, has run, okay. the run the majority of the company who's going to move up to be director of player personnel and he's not going to interfere to go... Yeah, he's he's not going to have his fingers in anything, is he? Or are you going to want to do that? Yeah. I um, think you've got rose-tinted specs a little bit for what Elway's done as a GM, to be honest. I think he's been pretty poor, in all honesty. Really? Yeah, I do. I mean, you know, other than the quarterback, what, he's, he's not really... Go on. In terms of free agency, he's con consistently brought in good players that have improved the team. It's the quarterback position where we've really struggled. I mean, we came off having Manning. We kept Manning for a year too long, but ultimately won the Super Bowl. So that kind of is what it is. Um, he put together that defense that won us that Super Bowl. Um, he's also He then decided to bring in, was it Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, Case Keenum. None of these guys we were going to have success with. You've not had receivers. You've had no receivers to speak of in the last three, no, four years. Yeah, we've had consistently good receivers. Your running back's been Philip Lindsay and that's it. <laughs> no, Philip Lindsay and Gordon this year. Last year, I agree. Oh, you we, love Melvin we Gordon. Running back. But in terms of a consistent pair, we were second in terms of that famous one-two punch that we mentioned you on know, this podcast we, so much. In we, terms of consistent parts. I think we've spoken every single season since this podcast started about the turnstile that is the Denver offensive line. The turnstile so, that's currently rated fourth in the NFL and has had a left tackle. Yeah, but that's this season. Yeah, that's exactly so, so, so if it's if it's been four or five years before that, you know, Elway is a legend of a quarterback, don't get me wrong. Yeah, you know, that, you I know, mean, what he did as a player... Without saying, and there's no way that, you know, the Broncos as an organisation were going to boot him out the door and tell him to get lost. He was always yes. going to move to some other role. But I, I do think you're looking at it with a bit of rose-tinted spectacles to say that he's been a massive success. No, I didn't. I think, no, 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 I didn't say that. Well, no, it, no. it, it, it sounded I, I like you started to gush. No, no, no. The, the, the job that he, he did was a, was a good job because he won a Super Bowl. And the teams... He put the majority together, of that team was already in place, though, when he went... Yeah, and really did well. Well, it wasn't because he brought in players like Marcus Ware, Keith Talib, brought in key players who yeah, came... A couple, couple of veterans, yeah. Yeah. And, but even since then, he's consistently brought in players who have done very, very well. How many times has he really whiffed in free agency? Not many. There's a few picks in the draft where you look and go, mm, I'm not sure about that, but every GM's got those. Every, I don't care who you are, every GM has got them. The one thing he's never done is drafted up like Ryan Pace or um, Thomas Dimitrov, a, a player who they didn't really need to give loads of capital on to get a player who they were probably going to get anyway. Um, but I think he's done. I think he's done a good job. I'm not going to say he's done a brilliant job, but he's done a good job and ultimately won a Super Bowl, and that's all you can ask. 
Fair enough. There, there's, there's GMs out there who we would say have done a fantastic job, but have never won a Super Bowl, never even got close. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, if it, it would potentially would have been a different story had we not had Peyton Manning. Even though he wasn't what he should have been towards the end of his Denver career, it would have been a very different story. I think the the Elway, uh, the Elway story in Denver would have been a very very different. Uh, it would have had a different ending, I think. It feels like we've made a little mini pod about the Raiders and Broncos. <laughs> we, were gonna, so gonna, we were doing a week honest. seventeen yeah, review, yeah. and that's as long as we don't have to do it about the Steelers, we'll be all right. Oh god, into the memoriam about your two teams not playing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I might just well, get that into a different one. I don't know what we're going to do about this because it's, it's going to extend our uh, our podcast length enormously. Keep going. But let's go on to the next game, shall we? Let's do the New York Giants. They won and they waited, hoping for a key win from their bitter rival. Far from 500, but still full of hope. The six-win Giants got to the brink of an unprecedented playoff berth with a win over the Dallas Cowboys on Sunday. Locking things up when uh, rookie Xavier McKinney intercepted Andy Dalton in the end zone with 115 remaining. But we've already been through the Eagles game. The Giants, 6-10, and 10, would have had the pl- made the playoffs for the first time since 2016 and then their first NFC East title since 2011 if it had gone the other way. They also would have been the first team to qualify for the playoffs with six victories in a 16-game regular season and the first to do so after starting 1-7. and seven. Sterling Shepard had a rushing and receiving touchdown for the Giants in the first half. x 49 receiver Dante Pettis has also hauled one in from Daniel Jones. C. Kelly had struggled as he has all season. He gained 42 yards on 14 carries, but he did get the lone Cowboys touchdown in this game. Greg the Legs Erline made all four of his field goals to keep it close. The final score in the Meadowlands was Cowboys 19, Giants 23. Yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. in favour of skipping this game. <laughs> yeah, me too. Two, two, two terrible teams in the worst division in the NFL. EU. See you next season, lads. Yeah, as I mean, we have to, unfortunately. It is a shame that you know the Giants have made this momentous comeback, and it is a big comeback. And the fact that they lost the first five games, it is a big comeback. But at the end of the day, they're not good enough to be in the playoffs. So I have no massive sympathy. Um, the wife's a Giants fan, um, and she was extremely annoyed. But again, if they'd have gone in, all they would have done is taken a spank in the prime time. It's but let's be honest, the Giants season ended when Saquon Barkley limped out in week two or whenever it was. My fantasy yeah. season ended when Saquon Barkley limped out. <laughs> <laughs> and they're picking 10th and 11th respectively in the draft. So, yeah. yeah. Although, for some reason, the uh, Cowboys, I mentioned it last week, the Cowboys are picking, uh, I think, 11th in the draft in the first round and then sort of 14th in the, um, in the second round. Well, they're picking 10th. Giants are picking 11th. Uh, Dallas. Yeah, Dallas are picking 10th. Oh, Dallas are picking 10th. Yeah. And then I think 13th, they are in the second. So it's a mm-hmm. bit weird in the way that the orders have worked um, this year. But let's hope they lose out on a really good player. <laughs> so another meaningless game for both teams. The Vikings and the Lions still managed to make the game with lots of highlights and controversy. Kirk Cousins' one-yard touchdown run early in the fourth quarter came two plays after the most questionable of calls was made against defensive back Tracy Walker. He was flagged for roughing the passer on his sack, giving Minnesota a first down at the Detroit one instead of turning it over on downs. Matt Stafford played with an ankle, rib and thumb injuries, was 20 of 31 for 293 yards with three touchdowns. Two of those went to Marvin Jones, who also clocked 180 yards. Vikings wide receiver Justin Jefferson had nine receptions for 133 yards to finish with 1,379 yards receiving breaking the NFL rookie record for yards receiving set by Anquan Bolden in 2003. Detroit's defense also broke franchise season records by allowing 519 points and 6,716 yards 
breaking marks set by a winless team in 2008 and ranking among the worst in NFL history. So congratulations. Pretty much everyone else got a touchdown for the, for the game. Alex Matson got two from Minnesota, replacing Dalvin Cook, who was absent due to the death of his father. The final score in this one was the Vikings 37, Lions 35. Last game for Matt Stafford in Detroit? Uh, I think so. I mean, again, this stunk a bit of what we said about the Texans. Matt Stafford's so good, so underrated. Um, and he was playing with, you know, a Connect Four of injuries all over his body. Um, yeah. And I think it's somewhat of a shame. I'd really like to see Matt Stafford go to a, a good team. I'd love to see him come to Denver. That, you know, that'd it's be a good like team. a dream. I think he's so, so good. He'd behave. Um, but I think it's, it's a bit of a shame that, his season sort of filtered out the way it did because the same thing happened last year. He started the season really, really well. They got, then got injured. Then Jeff Driscoll came in. He got injured and they ended up with David Blau. David Blau. And it, it seems to be a consistent thing. You know, and last season they had their quarterback who, you know, went out injured and he's, he's their franchise guy. And then what did the Lions do? they let their star guard go. I mean, he came to Denver and then, so you had a guy who you depend on, you decide not to protect him. You decide to actually sell one of the parts that's going to protect him. And you wonder why he's constantly injured. It's just the Lions being the Lions. But the main thing is Matt Patricia is gone and they really need to now make the right choice on who comes in because there's a fuller opportunity for them to be successful. Mm. Next game. Imagine what Justin. I was going to say. Imagine what Justin Jefferson would have done if they had trusted him earlier in the season as well. Well, I told you, Dave. That's why I drafted him in fantasy. Well, I wasn't slagging him off. I was. I was basically saying that in in preseason there was a lot of rumors saying he was no good and they didn't trust him, and mm. that bears fruits in stats. First two games of the season, he had five receptions. And look what he came back and did with you know exactly a hundred percent. Anyway, so let's go on to the Falcons and Bucks, shall we? So Tom Brady threw for 399 yards and four touchdowns on Sunday, helping the playoff-bound Bucks clinch the fifth seed in the NFC with a win over the Falcons. Unfortunately for the Bucks, star receiver Mike Evans was carted to the locker room with a left knee injury late in the first quarter and did not return. Evans was hurt one play after a 20-yard reception, made him the first player in NFL history to begin a career with seven consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. Brady found Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown twice each to ease at Tampa past a skittish Falcons team. Matt Ryan scored on a one-yard sneak and also threw scoring passes of 19 yards to Russell Gage and one yard to Hayden Hurst. But they lost two or four fumbles in the game. Now it's on to the playoffs where Tampa Bay hasn't appeared since 2007. The final score was the Falcons 27, Buccaneers 44. Tom Brady headline is, is obviously what everyone's focusing on, but the main weapon for this team is the fact that they're the best in the NFL at stopping the run. Uh, and that's going to help them massively in the playoffs. I think the Bucs are a real dark horse. Um, and not because of Brady, just because their defense can really cause problems and they can win you the line of scrimmage. It doesn't hurt when you've got Antonio Brown in there as a wide receiver to replace Mike Evans either. Yeah. He's starting to look a bit more Antonio Brown ish. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think I think what you notice towards the end of that game is that Brady was targeting him a lot more just to get him kind of you know, still going through the motions and getting him up speed even further. So yeah, I can I can certainly see the Bucks causing some headaches in the playoffs. No, absolutely. Uh, next game then. So Aaron Rodgers threw for four touchdowns, breaking his franchise record for scoring passes in the season. And Green Bay clinched the number one seed in the NFC by beating the also playoff-bound Chicago Bears for the 19th time in 22 games. Rodgers joined Peyton Manning as the only player to throw for at least 45 touchdowns in multiple seasons. He now has 48, surpassing his previous high of 45 
in his first MVP season of 2011 and just five interceptions. He completed 19 of 24 passes for 240 yards in the game without getting picked off and had 147.9 uh, passer rating. He also improved to 21-5 and against Chicago, counting the postseason. Devonta Adams, Marcos Valdez-Scantling, Robert Tunyon and Dominique Daphne all got touchdown passes from Rodgers. Aaron Jones ran and one in two. The only best touchdown came on a run from David Montgomery. Cairo Santos made all three of his field goals. The final score in this one was the Packers 35, Bears 16. Yeah, it was a shame for the Bears. Um, but, you know, they were playing the number one seed in the NSA and a team that obviously has their number. Um, I felt a bit sorry for them, but I mean, they're in the playoffs and uh, I want them to win the Super Bowl. They're my pick. Oh, I, the team will actually want them to win it. The yeah, because Why? that means they can't get rid of Mitch Stravitsky and they have to keep him. <laughs> <laughs> We're already That's talking about keeping him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oi, oi, oi. Yeah, there are some definite Trubisky truthers out there, but I think it's because, like I said before, the Bears have never seen a decent quarterback dress for them, so they don't know what it looks That's like. That's it. That's exactly yeah, what it is. <laughs> okay, so next game. So Russell Wilson hit Tyler Lockett for two fourth-quarter touchdowns and a stellar defensive effort helped the Seahawks rally past the 49ers to end the regular season on the four-game winning streak. Seattle had a slow start and appeared in serious trouble when Jeff Wilson Jr. ran for a seven-yard touchdown early in the fourth quarter to push the 49ers ahead 16-6. to But the Seahawks responded with their first touchdown when Russell Wilson avoided pressure and hit Tyler Lockett for a six-yard diving touchdown in the back of the end zone. Jason Myers missed the extra point, leaving the Seahawks down by four. Seattle forced the 49ers to punt on the ensuing possession and then methodically marched 85 yards on 14 plays and scored the go-ahead touchdown on fourth down on Wilson's four-yard throw to Lockett. Alex Collins ran for an eight-yard touchdown with 149 left before Jeff Wilson Jr. caught one for his second touchdown of the game. But the final score in Arizona was Seahawks 26, 49ers 23. Good result for the Seahawks, obviously, in going into the playoffs. Top of that division. And, uh, yeah, another win over a division rival. Yep. And 49ers, again, coming close, but no cigar because they're just missing pieces due to the uh, fact that they've been absolutely ravaged by injury. Still a good team to watch, though. So two games left. First of all, we'll do the Saints and the Panthers. So Drew Brees threw for 201 yards and three touchdowns. The Saints had five interceptions and New Orleans routed the Panthers without their top two running backs and fullback to wrap up the number two seed in the NFC playoffs. Brees sat out five games this season with broken ribs. Wide receiver Michael Thomas had missed nine games with an ankle injury. And on Sunday, the entire Saints running back room was out due to COVID-19. The Panthers were also without their top two running backs, Christian McCaffrey and Mike Davis due to injury and managed just 74 yards rushing. Rodney Smith rushed in their only score of the game. Saints got scores to Emmanuel Sanders, Jared Cook, Austin Carr, and the Taysom Hill run. There were picks for Malcolm Jenkins, PJ Williams, Marshawn Lattimore, Grant Haley, and Ken Crawley. Matt Rule benched Bridgewater after his second interception. PJ Walker came in and threw another three. Saints became the first team to sweep the NFC South by going 6-0 since the division was formed in 2002. The final score in Carolina was the Saints 33 Panthers seven. I mean, this was a game I didn't watch at all. (laughs) I didn't see much of it, to be honest. Ah, okay. Well, it was fairly (laughs) one-sided. Sounds it. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit. When you say Bridgewater got benched after throwing two interceptions, PJ Walker then came in and threw another three. And you say it's so lackadaisical. That tells you everything you need to know about the game. (laughs) So we just see what the Pampers do with Bridgewater next season because he finished with, I think it was about 15 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. Um, not stellar as a stat line, um, but he has an awful lot of help. So what do you reckon, Punk? Do you think they keep hold of Bridgewater or do you think they go with their draft stock uh, for a new one? 
I think they'll probably give him another season. I can't think. Was it a three-year contract he signed at the beginning of the season? I think it was, wasn't it? I think I think they probably they probably keep him on. Um, even even if they do draft someone, I think you keep Bridgewater in. You know, just as your 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 kind of mentory type role, your bridge quarterback. Else, your bridge quarterback. Um, I mean, the Panthers haven't been helped this year again. You know. McCaffrey being injured for so much of it and so on and so forth. I mean, I don't think they were ever going to be a great team. But, you know, it's it's one of those weird seasons, isn't it, where you just can't tell who's going to be good and who's not and who's going to get hit by COVID and who's going to lose an entire quarterback roster for a game and who's going <laughs> to lose. It's just been a mad season, to be honest. So, yeah, I don't think the Panthers are in terrible shape. No, um, yeah, they, they, they do need to, you know, pick up a few pieces um i think their run defense could could do is stiffening up a bit um but yeah i think i think you know you keep bridgewater you you at least start him next season regardless um and then see where you are yeah i think i think you're absolutely right in the fact that they keep bridgewater even if they don't believe him it just takes the pressure off yeah. Um, any new quarterback that comes in, he signed a three-year deal. You're right in that, but in between the third, uh, the second and the third year, there is a potential out that's been written in his contract where it's not actually going to cost them anything. I think they have to pay him, there, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, they have to pay him a cash payment, so it's going to cost them money, but it doesn't actually come off the cap. It comes off the previous year, so as long as he's got a little bit floating around, they'll be able to do yeah. that. And even if they do keep him on for a third year and then cut him, it's only going to cost them five million anyway. So. I think they've kind of built it a long time ago, knowing full well what the plan was. Um, yeah. And that is bringing another quarterback. So sooner or later, we are going to see another quarterback come in. Um, it's just a matter of whether it will be one that they draft or maybe it's a young quarterback who has lost his way with the current team. Someone, uh, Josh Rosen, maybe. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Scott. Well done, Dave. Gosh. Well done. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> let's move on to the last and probably least game of the week. And that was the Bengals and Ravens. So in Cincinnati, where Lamar Jackson became the first quarterback in NFL history with two seasons of more than 1,000 rushing yards, the Ravens ran for a club record 404 yards, the fourth team since 1950 to rush for more than 400 yards in a single game, and amassed 525 overall in advancing to the playoffs for the third straight season. Rookie J.K. Dobbins rushed for 160 yards and two touchdowns, including a 72-yard breakaway in the third quarter. Marquise Brown caught two touchdowns and Miles Boykins the other, as the scoring and game was over by the start of the fourth quarter. Cincinnati's Brandon Allen, who threw for 371 yards and two touchdowns in the win over the Texans last week, was just 6 for 21 for 48 yards with two interceptions. The final score here was the Ravens 38, Bengals 3. Yeah, there was no mercy by the Ravens. They just kept on pounding. Um, and I think it was that kind of thing of let's keep uh, you know, let's keep our form going into the playoffs because we've seen in previous years, I think there was that, there was that year when they decided to have basically a three-week break in between um, a seeded game and the final game of the season, um, which they rested everyone in week 17. So I think they've learned from their mistakes, keep the momentum going and why not? It it works for them. And it was a Bengals team. I mean, they haven't got Vontaze perfect anymore, so there's no late shots. (laughs) Uh, It was, it was, it was an entertaining game for watch to watch that I saw of it, but not, not ultimately surprising. No. You I told me to keep J.K. Dobbins in, Dave, and I did so. Thank you very much because uh, he uh, max scored on the uh, on the fantasy points as well. Yeah, I think you probably did all right with him this week. <laughs> okay, so that yeah, that was the end of this week's seventeen slate. We're going to move over and look at the picks, Dave. And uh, you were up against Barry in the final week against the people. Uh, you came in 
what was it, four points behind? Yeah, I think so. I needed a few anyway. You were. So, well, Barry got nine yep. of 16. Ah, oh, bastard. <laughs> so I need, you, but I need I need 13 to draw, 14 to win. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got, you got double digits for that's a start, not, so you, want, you did win this happen. week. Well, of course I got double digits. Of course. You're <laughs> crazy. Uh, Dave, um, you finished with 11. Oh, for Right. <laughs> well, considering I spent the first eight weeks of the season trolling you, saying the Steelers were going to lose every game, I don't. Think you keep throwing that excuse, but you know. All right, so the, uh, the the differences reason. there was that uh, Barry picked the Patriots to beat the Jets, uh, and he picked the Raiders to beat the Broncos, um, but then you picked the Bucks to beat the Falcons, the Seahawks to beat the Forty Nine ers, Titans to beat Titans to beat the Texans, and Washington to beat the Eagles. Uh, you both picked the Cowboys to beat the Giants, which didn't come through. Both picked the Cardinals and the Chiefs to win. They didn't win either. So there we go. Nine and 11. The final scores then were the people got 166. Dave, 164. So it was tight. It's close. No cigar. I can live with that. I'm not too disappointed. Talking of came in on one of those weeks as well. So Yeah. Talking of predictions, you may have remembered um, at the beginning of the season, Jim and I did two monster pods, one for the AFC, one for the uh, NFC. Yes. And what we basically did was say what we thought each team's record was going to be. <laughs> so I went back and listened to all of those and compiled them into a nice, easy list. Excellent. And what I've done is put together what we, uh, what we put down and who won. It's kind of like a match phrase. You get one point if, you're, if you won it. Before so, you do this, I'm not going to run through. You do this, I yeah. know that you've done, you've won because otherwise you wouldn't be bringing this up. No, no, no. I brought it up last year as well, and last year we drew. Last year we drew because when we did it. So it's right. not that I'm bringing it up just because of that. I would bring it up either way. Fair enough. So um, AFC West we split two and two. Um, no real highlight there. Um, AFC East, you won the AFC East um, mm. because. You had the Patriots and the Jets. I said the Jets had win nine games. How much drugs had I taken that day? <laughs> um, yeah, you said I, I went on the Bills. We drew on the Dolphins. I said the Dolphins had win nine. You said they win 11 and they won 10. So we're mm. splitting that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, AFC North, you went on the Steelers and the Ravens. Um, both of them very close. We, I said 11 one way. You said 12 the other way. And it uh-huh. alternated. So very much was it. But you won both of those two. I went on the Browns and the Bengals. Uh, Titans, you went on, and Texans, you went on on the AFC South. However, I want to draw your attention to the Colts. Now, you and I had a bit of a row on the Colts. I know you can remember because I can see you smiling. (laughs) I said the Colts would win 13. You said, Colts suck. Philip Rivers is old. They win five. They won 11. So (laughs) I just want to point that out, all right? Um, Okay, so you're a Phil Rivers believer now, are you? Is no. that what you're saying? Um, the Jags, we both said the Jags would suck, um, but I said they'd suck worse. So I want to point on that one. Mm-hmm. AFC, basically, um, I'm on seven, you're on eight for the okay. AFC, and we've got one on one draw. Right. Okay. NFC, you won on, I'm not going to do it by a division, I'm going to do it another way. So you won on the Rams, the Cowboys, and the Falcons. That's it. The NFC, you suck basically you lost everything else (laughs) everything else you lost on jim everything you said the 49ers would win 11 they won six well okay but i didn't know they lose half their team did i 
you said the what in a worldwide pandemic i mean who would have thought that the vikings <laughs> oh, you said on. would win 12 they won seven so yeah no you really <laughs> the bet on the nfc so the final score as it turns out so is, I, told I, you, got 18, I told you punk i got 18 well get him right next time then and all you did i listened back to those podcasts all you did was slag me off going oh you're going for the conservative picks <laughs> rubbish i was right <laughs> you mug so i got 18 you got 11 we drew three the one we drew was the cardinals oh. both had nine uh, and we also drew the Saints. I said the win 13, you said 11, they won 12. So we uh, split that one. But there's a couple of shockers in there. I'm not going to lie. Um, we were quite far away. Mine for the, mine for the Jets, say in nine. <laughs> a little bit more of a Sam Darnold believer than perhaps the rest of the known universe should be. Mm-hmm. I'd forgot about the Adam Gase factor. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was good. I was listening, go, and w- what we were actually saying is quite, in a, in a funny sort of a way, even though on some of them we were quite far out, a lot of what we said did ring true over players who were going to be successful, players who we thought drafted really well, and a couple of players who we thought didn't. Uh-huh. Um, your overwhelming monologue of how bad um, Justin Herbert was going to be obviously didn't ring all that true, but I mean, it was still entertaining nevertheless. It's one season, all right? It's one season. He had a brilliant season. I, I'm not going to hold it against him, but... Let's let's look at him next year and the year after that and the year after that. Oh, let's see his progression now. I agree and hope you are correct. <laughs> I don't mind if a player's better than I think he was. It's if they're worse than I think there was. That's the worst one. So mm, maybe. I trust what I see on tape. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh as it was, we know what the, the playoff order is now. Uh let's talk about the draft order because that's important for you two. Um, currently, obviously, the Jags at number one, Jets at two, Dolphins with that Texans pick at three, Falcons at four, then the Bengals and the Eagles. Eagles moved up three places with their loss against the, uh, the football team. Uh, then you've got the Lions and Panthers and Broncos on a 5-11 and 11 record, but that's 7, 8, and 9 done. Then you've got the 6 and 10s. That's the Cowboys, Giants, and 49ers at 10, 11, and 12. Uh, and then you've got the Chargers, Vikings, and Patriots on a 7-9 and nine record. So Chargers 13, Vikings 14th, and Patriots 15th positions. And then it's the Cardinals and Raiders with an 8-8 record. Cardinals get the 16th pick. Raiders get the 17th. Uh, Dolphins get the 18th pick. They moved up five places with that playoff miss. Uh, and then it's into the, the playoff picture. So from 19 onwards, we're still not completely sure of the, the order. But that's the top 18 picks set. Yeah, the most interesting one out of all of that is probably Atlanta because you're picking four and it's kind of, what do you do? You yeah. know, do you go and pick a, a franchise quarterback who can replace Matt Ryan? Or, uh, I mean, they've got a new, um, Thomas Dimitrov's left, so they've got a new GM coming in. I don't know if they've signed anyone mm-hmm. yet. No. Um, but it's a bit of a quandary because they're not going to get, ultimately, the, the, you know, the, one of the top guys who, who are coming out with fields. And um, uh, I, it's just a bit of a, a funny spot to be going and do you trade down i mean how much draft capital are you going to be getting i, I find it a bit, a bit interesting to see what the what the uh, falcons are going to do because i think that's one of the big surprises that we're potentially going to be seeing well if you think that the jets and the jags are taking quarterbacks one and two and yeah. the dolphins won't be taking quarterback at three um well the you say that depending on what the you draft, really Depending on what you what you hear in the news, um, there's there's a chance that they may be. I mean, I I don't personally believe that they will either. No, um, but 
I mean, it's obvious that Lawrence is going first. You would expect Justin Fields to go second. Um, and then probably Seal um, third as the left tackle. Yeah, it would make sense. And I don't particularly believe in Zach Wilson. Um, Trey He's Lance playing from BYU. And, that's my only concern, is that that school is so low down. Yeah. He looks great, 100%. but he looks great in a terrible division. <laughs> um, and that often doesn't go well. But no, the uh, I think the other issue that we're we're seeing is um, with Trey Lance Trey Lance plays in a terrible division as well yeah I think what's he he playing independence and that's that's the division that he's in um, and I absolutely don't believe that you know anyone's going to be taking someone like Kyle Tra- uh, Trask I keep on saying Task Trask or the Alabama quarterback Mac, Mac Jones. Jones I mean Mac Jones is great but his main wide receiver Devontae Smith has just been given the Heisman Award so how yeah. much do people actually believe that he's he's the main guy I, I don't know I mean it's it's difficult to know if he's even declared yet I know players are coming out now and we're starting to hear who's going for it but at the moment we just don't really know well we're going to spend a lot of time spot. after the season looking at the uh, the, <laughs> the, uh, the draft prospects so it'll be plenty of time for us to dig into the quarterbacks at that point and the wide receivers and running backs and all that all that jazz. Um, just a quick Jets watch on their uh, their points differential. So with their loss at the Patriots, mm-hmm. uh, they they finished with a minus two hundred and fourteen points differential. So all that good work okay. they had in the last two weeks has been kind of undone. I mean, you're talking to a Broncos and a Raiders fan. Those numbers are nothing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> amateur. We've done that in this. We've done that in office. So we do that in our sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a quick break then, boys, and we'll come back and talk about the wildcard round, shall we? Yep. Welcome back, guys, to part two of the Jim and the King NFL podcast. This is the week 17 review slash wildcard preview. You're here with Jim, Denver Dave, and Punk Raider. So, boys, we've talked about week 17. Now we're going to move on to the wildcard round. Uh, and I'm going to start off, we're going to do the picks. And as Punk, you're here, we're going to do you against Dave on who's going to win these games. Right. We're going to start with the Indianapolis Colts at the Buffalo Bills. Now, who goes first? Because obviously, I think the consensus for this pick, especially, is that we're probably going to be both picking the Bills. I was going to um, say, I don't think there's going to be a lot of argument on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Give me, give without going into it too much. Give me a case for how how do the Colts win this game? Because there's a million different ways in which the Bills win this game. They 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 score on the ground. They score in the air. They're fantastic on the ground defensively. They're great at protecting the pass. They can win this game in a myriad of different ways. How do the Colts win it? Colts Colts win it with defense. The Colts win it if it's six three. So but that's how they win the game. They win the game by shutting down the Bills offense and just running Jonathan Taylor. So really what this game comes down to is um, the Bills defense against the running game of the Colts. So in theory, that's how the Colts can win it. They have to take the game out of Philip Rivers' hands. If they leave mm. it in Philly Rivers' hands, they're going to lose it. And they'll lose it quite comfortably. Um, now, you know, there have been games this season, especially kind of early on, where the Bills' defense haven't looked great. Um, you know, obviously we've seen in that nice nice win streak they've been having that they have been playing well. But, you know, it, it's not unsurprising to maybe possibly look at the fact that the Bills are a very young team. You know, might get overexcited early in the playoffs not quite sure how to play the game. Waiting you know. expectation. Exactly. I mean, if, any, if anyone can the bed, it's going to be the Bills. 
Oh yeah, no, absolutely. But I, you know, famous it, for it. it. The Bills, <laughs> the the Bills have got three or four ways they can win this game. The Colts have got yeah. one that I can see. But you know, it, it's not it's not insurmountable to think that those pieces might fall for the Colts. But I just Hewitt Hilton's see healthy, which is always weird to see at this uh, stage of the season. Yeah. yeah, I mean Hilton Hilton is a decent receiver. Hmm. Yeah, he he's he's never been. You know, he's he's always had problems with injuries and and so on and so forth. But he's always been a decent receiver. And I mean, yeah, he in, hasn't... In, in from wide receiver position, I mean, they've got Ty Hilton, who is a he's a good receiver. There's nothing wrong with him. I think he's fine. I don't think he's a wide receiver one for most teams, but it certainly gets in the wide receiver wide receiver room for most teams. Um, I'm a massive fan of Zach Pascal. I think he's mm-hmm. massively underrated. I think he's a good little gadget player who can really give you some big, big gains on, on um, short carries as well. Same goes for uh, Naeem Hines. The number of times yeah. we saw Naeem Hines act as a uh, sort of yeah. receiving back. So on offense, I think they do have weapons. The main thing for them is Good they line. have to, they absolutely have to protect um, Philip Rivers because Philip Rivers yeah. has this, you know, ability just not to be able to, you know, it just shuts down in key, key moments. The one thing that I've just seen apparently is that Jonathan Taylor is questionable for the game at the weekend. Uh, everyone's questionable um, for the game of the weekend. Until <laughs> it's time to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No one, no one's giving anything away um, unless they have to. The other thing to remember, of course, is that it's outdoors in Buffalo. It's going to yeah. be cold. It's probably going to be snowing. Um, Which obviously brings it into the hands of the running back slightly more. Um, we mentioned exactly. a good line earlier on Anthony Costanzo, the left tackle, is uh, on IR at the moment. So uh, the... Chaz Green is coming in for him. <laughs> the Le Chaz, Chaz. Green. Yep. Yeah. No <laughs> idea who he is either. Um, but yeah, so no, I think they, I think you're right in the fact it's their defense. And you look through their, their defense, and it's there's talent all over it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it should no, be a good I, game, I though. Agree. I think it's going to be an interesting it should game. should be a great game. I, it I depends. Don't think... It depends. If the Bills go out and score two touchdowns in the first quarter, forget about it. Turn it over. Go and watch Midsummer Murders or something. Um, <laughs> two good coaching need... staffs there. I think that you you can't count Frank Reich out at that one. If they're two scores down, I'm counting them out. Well, they need to keep it close going into the, going into the fourth. It has to be close, or they have to be leading going into the fourth. No, we'll see. But yeah, I think I think we I think we know who we're both going for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're both going for the Bills, don't we? But... Next game then is uh, the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, I, you know me, I love an underdog, so I'm probably going to go Steelers. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know... Third seed underdog. The, Brown, the Browns <laughs> are a decent team. You know, they've made the playoffs. They've kind of you know, achieved what they needed to achieve this year. Um, are they going to go any further? I wouldn't have said so. I mean, I've, I'd say going into the last what three or four games they're probably the the one of the teams along with the bears that have backed into the playoffs the most um they've certainly not been impressive on offense um the defense has looked more shaky than it has done earlier in the season it's, um, it's looked more shaky as they've lost players on defense because the main thing they've done they've lost players like uh, grant delpe who i think was their first or second round pick yes yeah, they draft um, lost Greedy Williams. They've lost um, Olivier Vernon. So they, they're guys who help, aren't necessarily, you know, key members of the team, but certainly guys that don't, you know, the guys who come in to replace them are the guys who get targeted. So it certainly doesn't help them. Um, it's 
I, uh, you've, I find it very difficult to make a case for how the Bills, kind of what we said about the, with the Colts as well, I find it difficult to say how, this is how the Bills, uh, the Browns are going to win this game. Um, because I think there's a number of ways in which they they can get beat. The main thing is what, what Jim has said a load of times, you, the, the Steelers play down to your opposition. And if you play a bad team, which I don't think the Browns are, but the Browns can have bad moments, there's every opportunity that you guys can um, come in and sort of underperform. And I think that's what that's what the Browns need. The Browns need you to come in and underperform, whereas it doesn't matter what the Browns do for you. It, it matters what you do against the Browns. Does that make any sense? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it was difficult watching um, that loss on week 17 because we had rested some of our starters. To give mm. the to give the Browns that playoff appearance, you know that they've been craving for so long. But if we give them that playoff appearance, just so we can smash them in the wild card round, we make all of it worth it. You know, we give them that just so we can beat them and, and get another step towards the towards the Super Bowl. I'd, I'd take it if that's the uh, the end result. So, I think one of the keys that the Browns have to do is they normally play a standard three wide receivers and one tight end. That's the standard of what they do. I think they have to play two wide receivers and two tight ends just to give them that extra protection on the offensive line. Yeah, um, I think that's going to be one of the keys. It's going to help the run game. It's going to give Baker Mayfield that little bit more time. Um, it also gives them options each side of the offensive line if they want a, uh, a tight end to peel off and become a receiver. So, But you're both going for Steelers. Yeah. Yeah, go for the Steelers. We're not stupid. <laughs> Last uh, AFC game then is the Baltimore Ravens at the Tennessee Titans. Mm. We know what happened last this year. It was more of a 50 50. Yeah, I was going to say, where, where, where do you want to go with this one? Do you want the pick first or do you want the analysis first? <laughs> well, the analysis is that the Titans are going to run, aren't they? Let's be honest. Yeah, well, so are the Ravens. And, and the Ravens are going to run more. Hmm. Ooh. Okay. Um, I think, I think for me it comes down to who do I trust more, and I think history tells us that we can't trust the Ravens in the playoffs. And history tells us, recent history tells us, that the Titans absolutely can be trusted in the in the in the uh, postseason. So I'm going Titans, just by the fact that I'm sitting there going, if track record is anything to go by, then there's no doubt whatsoever that the pedigrees with the Titans. Wouldn't have thought I said that at the beginning of the season either. And the other thing to look at is that, you know, if if it comes down to someone needing to score quickly, the Titans have a better wide receiver core than the Ravens do. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I agree with know, that. We, we, we've seen, you know, Lamar Jackson struggle to move that ball down the field in the air at times. Um, whereas, you know, the Titans, I think, have got a much more balanced offense, even though, you know, they will be run heavy. If they need to pass it, they can. And you would trust Tannehill with the ball more than you would Lamar Jackson. Yeah, when it's a sticky wicket, he struggles. Yeah. And we know the Titans have their number from last year. And and what has, what has improved for the Ravens since last year? They didn't really do an awful lot in the draft. And they've, I mean, they were, they, they've they regressed were in the passing the games. The imploded. Uh, to to a degree in in that last game because yeah. you know I think I think the Dolphins would have been a sterner test for the Titans than the Ravens will be. Hmm. That's interesting. So you're both going for Titans then. So yeah. we've got consensus through the AFC game. Is okay. Excellent. 
uh, onto the NFC. Which means inevitably all three are wrong. And, well, you know, look stupid, <laughs> I, was, I don't want to say it because you picked the Steelers. At least, but... at least I'm not going to lose that one. <laughs> <laughs> so let's move on to the NFC. And we're going to start with those Chicago Bears at the New Orleans Saints. I mean, for me, this this this, this is so one-sided. It's I can't, Mitch I Trubisky. still can't quite believe that the Bears managed to get into the playoffs, to be honest. Um, you know, it's, <laughs> someone's got to make up the numbers, I suppose. Um, I mean, yeah, as, I, uh, as I've said, man, I'm all in for the Bears. I'm well, all you, in for the Bears. Because I want Mitch Trubisky. I'm not picking them. Don't be stupid. <laughs> what are you on drugs or something? I'm all in for the Bears. No, I think if you look at their defense, their defense is solid. They've got real, real talent on their defense. Of course it is. But it's still giving up 24 points a game, yeah. even though it's solid and has, you know, like you said, you know, generational talent players in there. There's, it's, I mean, there's that possibility that even if they give up 20 points, they're still gonna, not going to be able to put that many on them. So it's, it's a tale of two very strong defences, two defence-led teams. I don't care what anyone says about the Saints. They're not an offence team. They're a defence no, team. First, defense first. This is going to be a game you're going to love because it's going to be low scoring. Yep. Um and I just I I can't make a case for the Bears winning it. I hope they do. I we really know the do, Saints but... are flaky in the playoffs. They're not that flaky. So <laughs> <laughs> well, there's going to be one moment Maybe in where... the divisional round. They might be flaky, but they're okay. not going to be flaky in this game. <laughs> there's going to be one moment where Danny Trevathan is going to is going to have a tackle, and everyone's going to be standing up and going, "That was passing, that was pass interference." No, it wasn't. Yeah. Shut up, you mugs. <laughs> Carry on with it. <laughs> so let's just hope after this game, there's nothing for the Saints to moan about if they do lose. If they That's lose, true. let's just hope that they either lose fair and square or it's an absolute scandal. One of the two. Um, <laughs> no, I'm I'm picking the Saints as well. I don't mind. So two picks for the Saints. Yeah. All right. So two games left, and it's the. LA Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. So division rivals facing off again. Who's winning this one? I think this uh, is one. Of, I think well, okay. I think this is one of the uh, more interesting games, to be honest. Uh-huh. Um, from my point of view, um, I could make an argument either way. Um, it's in Seattle, which ordinarily you'd say makes a big difference, but obviously with no fans there. Um, not no quite such a big difference. Got no fans, <laughs> and you've got no still. roof. But yeah, it'll be cold, wet, windy. You know all those gorgeous Seattle things that happen. Um, but I think this Rams defense is on a bit of a mission, and I've I've seen a few cracks appearing in that Seattle offense over the last couple of weeks. I mean, let's uh, not think... let's not forget it wasn't all that long ago that the Rams lost to the Jets. So. Yeah, but you know that's 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 one game, and if anything, it's refocused their attention on what they need to be and how they need to do it. In my opinion, so you're picking so John Wolford over I, Russell Wilson, are you? I, yes, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick playing? It's unlikely that at the moment that Goff's going to play with that broken thumb in his throwing arm. Well, there you go then. It's Russell Wilson all you, day long. Well, all right, all right. It's it's. No, no, you've gone Rams, son. You've gone Rams. I'll, st- I'll still go Rams. That's <laughs> absolutely fine. But, you know, it did. I, I do think this defense, there's always a team where the defense steps up and carries yeah. a team through the playoffs, and the Rams have the potential to do that, regardless of who's playing quarterback. Um, obviously, you know, if Goff can't go, then that makes it a bit more difficult. But they are a run-first team anyway. 
So, you know, in theory, yeah, like we were saying earlier, game managing, et cetera, et cetera. No, I get what you're going to say. And, you know, Goff will be a huge miss. Um, but if Goff plays, if Goff plays, the Rams win. If Goff doesn't play, then the Seahawks will win. I can see, I can see the headlines now where going into the third quarter, Rams are four scores down. Wolford's thrown nine interceptions. <laughs> and all of a sudden, uh, Sean McVay turns to his bench and says, right, Blake Bortles, suit up. Because he's the third yeah. choice quarterback. Bortles comes in, throws bombs. Thank you very much. Championship Super quality Bo- Super Bowl MVP. Absolutely. No, if Goff is, I think you're right that if Goff is fit, it makes it more interesting. Um, but yeah, the fact is, absolutely. he's not, and I don't see any way in which Seattle don't come away with this. This is, I mean, let's not let's not forget about it. this. Is a big shock. If Wolford goes in and wins in Seattle, this is a big yeah. shock. This is not a, you know, the fact that this is this is not the fact that they can lean on the defense. It's a big old shock because that defense, as you say, will give up twenty points. But the Seahawks offense has been starting to struggle the last few weeks as well. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because they have one of the best quarterbacks in the league and they have one of the best tight ends in the league, uh, wide receivers in the league. The Rams have got one of the best D-lines in the league. So, you know, if Aaron Donald is permanently in Russell Wilson's face, it's not going to make a difference. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the other thing, isn't it? Michael Brockers is out this game as well, which does make a difference. It doesn't have a massive difference because you've got Aaron Donald, but with Michael Brockers missing, it does make a difference. We shall see. Yeah. Mm. One game left, boys, and that is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Washington. Oh, you know what I want to say. Oh, how much of a bravery did did I take this morning? Um, I mean... Washington just don't have the offense to keep up with Tampa Bay. It doesn't matter how well the Washington defense plays. They're just not going to be able to put enough points on the board. I'm trying to convince myself. Legit, I'm really, really trying to convince myself. The thing is, every year (laughs) in the wild card, we have an upset that no one saw. No one saw. Now, it's either going to be Chicago, it's going to be the Rams, or it's going to be Washington. It's going to be one of them. Yeah. I talked myself into leaving it. for Washington in week 16 when they played the, the Panthers and they lost 2013 because I was like, that defense can stop the Carolina Panthers. And it just, but their offense was, was nothing. So, you know. Isn't Brady's record terrible in the wildcard game as well? Yeah, because he never had to do like it. A, yeah, but isn't it like really horrendous out of seven games he's won like two or something like that? Yeah. I'm going to go Washington. <laughs> Why not? Go for it. Go I for don't. It. I like I, just for the record, I, I don't believe game. the win. I don't believe but. the win. But there's three aspects to it. Number one, I want them to win. Number yeah. two, I'm kind of doing it to make it a little bit more interesting. And number three, there's a shock every year. So that's the kind content. of why. But I'm I'm going Washington. There you go. Hundred. Thank you very I'm much. I'm all Dave. in. Okay. Funk. Yeah, I'm going Tampa Bay. I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) You went for the Rams. You got John Wolford across. I I can make a better (laughs) argument for the Rams in Seattle than I can for Washington in. That's enough spice for one day. (laughs) Not too much spice there, punk. All right. Well, at this point, I think we're going to get out of here. And uh, and then we'll meet up next week and talk about the wildcard stuff. 
there's two more things. Um, um, how did how did everyone do in fantasy last week? I won. You won. Mm, um, week 17, I won. The only reason I mention it is because I had a career day. 177 points. If that's your career day, then you haven't had much of a career. <laughs> I won by nearly 100 points. I mean, that, as far as that goes, that is amazing. Um, so, oh, yeah, final, final league standings. I finished uh, eighth on nine and eight. Jim I finished, finished seventh. Seventh on nine and eight. Yeah. Which basically joint. Head of you. Head of you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, one place ahead of both of us um, was the. Kindly. What was it? The Spider 2 Y Banana Boys. Spider 2 oh, Y Banana. I got sixth. Seattle Dave, won. Seattle Dave won the think, league this year. I think amazingly, considering how bad my team was, that um, I was amazed I actually ended up with a winning record, to be honest. <laughs> the first round pick. Although, to say, to say that, in fairness, your first round pick, Nick Chubb, was out for a majority of the season. Chubb was out for about four or five games. And then I think I had, I know I had to wheel and deal an awful lot with this team. It was terrible at one point. But mm. I'm supposed to do there it. We go. What was the other Here's thing, Dave, before we go? Um, the bets. So last. last last week we went all in, and yeah. we both got done. So, <laughs> so yeah, we put all in a, we put in a tenner at the beginning of the season. Um, I wound up with thirty four pounds, I think, at the end of the season, which I made a profit. So I'm I'm perfectly happy with that. Mm. Jim lost his tenner. I had to buy in with another tenner, and then lost all of that. Yeah. So uh, yeah. We'll be back next week, guys, to talk about the wildcard uh, results. Hopefully, we get Punk back as well again. And uh, yeah, thanks very much for listening. Uh, make sure you're checking us out on jimtheking.com, uh, at Twitter, um, at Jim and the King, and at Denver Dave 30, at NFL Fan Support, at Punk Raider. Is that right? Yeah, Punk underscore Raider. Punk underscore Raider. Um, so yeah, until next week, I've been Jim. That's been Denver Dave. That's been Punk Raider. Thank you very much for listening. Yeah.